that you would call us not servants, Lord, but you call us friends. Lord, and we just, uh, we're so in awe of you. Lord, be with us as we open your word, Lord, that you just open our hearts and our eyes and ears to hear, Lord, and our hearts to receive you, Lord, this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Ah, uh, Noah, you must know me, huh? Yeah. I, could, I couldn't fool you at one bit. Ah, <laughs> uh, how's everybody? Oh, yeah. What a, what a beautiful day it was today, huh? Man, did you see what happened this, this morning? Wasn't that just... just just blew me away just to see how many people just Praise the Lord. we had a baptism about 15 or 16 17 I didn't count that was just awesome you know we had a, we had a wedding we had a baby baptism <laughs> you know as I was reading this chapter I couldn't help but think of how many how just so small slip of the tongue has often ruined someone's career or reputation. What a little member we have and what destruction it can cause. A football commentator makes a racist remark off camera and although his past record is exemplary, he is finished, done. A television presenter chooses his words unwisely and makes an off-the-cuff off remark he has never seen on screen again. A politician sends a confidential memo that falls into the hands of the press. They are calling for his resignation. They're through. The list is endless. In a moment, through one act of foolishness, a career is finished. All the good a man or woman has done in the past counts for nothing. Who remembers Richard Nixon's foreign policies? They were historical, what he did with China. Yet in the shadow of Watergate, who can remember? It all counts for little, if nothing. Michael Jackson, he will always be remembered as, as monumental, what he did to dance and music. will always question his sex, sexual accusations. And uh, he will always be known for that. Solomon in chapter 7 ref referred to a good man's name as precious ointment. Now Solomon is showing us how a good name can easily be lost. In chapter 10, Solomon goes, Dead flies putrefy the perfumer's ointment and causes it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one's rep respect, respected for wisdom and honor. When flies get caught in a perfumer's ointment, 
and die. They cause it to give off a foul odor. Dead flies ruin the perfume. I kind of thought it kind of comical. In the same way, one act of folly or foolishness can ruin a lifetime of wisdom and a man's reputation. As it is with folly, foolishness, so it is with a little sin in a man's life. The Bible uses the picture of a little yeast in a loaf to illustrate its power. Paul, correcting the church in Corinth, writes of its destructive power. Your glorying is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? See, they were allowing sin to persist in the church. And they thought that they were being graceful. Paul says, don't, don't let a little sin exist in the church. Verse 2 so goes on to say, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Why is one person foolish and another wise? I wanted to read you this. It's a, the following is warnings found in consumer products. And they are, these are true warnings. On a Duraflame fireplace log, it says, Caution, risk of fire. On a Batman costume, it says, Warning, cape does not enable user to fly. There's a warning for you there, Jason. I think they wrote that for you. On a bottle of hair coloring, it says, Do not use as an ice cream topping. <laughs> On a cardboard sunshield for a car, it says, Do not drive with sunshield in place. On a portable stroller, caution, remove infant before folding for storage. <laughs> you know, what bothered me about reading these is, they had to put these in place because people did this. Talk about the dumbing down of America. Why is one person foolish and another wise? It is all a matter of the heart. And a man's foolishness adds to the pointlessness of his life. The right hand represents strength and protection in the left hand simply means weakness and disfavor. See, the idea here is that wisdom and folly are seated within the heart of a man. It is the condition of the heart that leads a man to the right or wrong decisions. And only God can change a man's heart. And we will seek every other answer but God. He seems to be that last choice in a person's life. Verse 3 goes, Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom, and he shows everyone that he is a fool. See, there's there's no hiding dumb. You can always recognize a circus clown by the makeup and the red nose and baggy pants. You can, always, uh, you can usually recognize a pastor by the three-piece suit, tie, and shiny shoes. We're sort of hidden here at Calvary Chapel. We're an incognito. 
And so it is with a fool. He will soon give himself away. There's no hiding dumb. Thinking himself to be wise, he becomes a fool. Verse 4 goes, If the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post, for consolation pacifies great offenses. If anyone is above you, explodes in anger. It is best not to quit in a huff. That's our tendency to do. We respond in the moment. It's better to let things cool off and think it through. A fool loses control. I have been a fool once or twice in my life. A big fool. (laughs) How many of us have resigned a well-paid, secure job because we felt the boss was unjust and unfair? Dumb stuff. Dumb choices that we have made. Jesus said, blessed are the meek. We must remember meekness is not weakness, it's tame strength. And some of these situations is the greatest opportunities to be a great witness for the Lord. Turn with me to uh, Colossians chapter 3. Go ahead, John, turn. (laughs) Just kidding, John. (laughs) Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, there goes, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, So you also must do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. See, only God can do that in a a man's heart. Because I read that, and I think, that's tough. That's really hard to do. And only can God, by His Holy Spirit, can change a man to do that. It's, it's one thing to read it off the page of the Bible, but to let God dwell in your heart and change your heart, where you know, I have an opportunity here to shine a light, to be a light for our Christ. You see, it's our calling. It is our witness that we put on tender mercies. And love. In verse 5 goes, There is an evil I have seen under the sun, as an heir proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, while the rich sit in lowly places. I have seen servants on horses while princes walk on the ground like servants. Another inconsistency which really bothered Solomon 
in this mixed up world we live in proceeded from unwise decisions and injustices proceeding from those in authority like our government and how, how we can make some of the decisions we make and a man could sit in authority and say I'm a Christian and do some of the things he does got to trouble our hearts Thus, servants often ride on horses while princes travel foot. I have seen such equities exist in politics and in the workplace, in military, and even in religious religion in the church. This inconsistency troubled Solomon as well. Verse 8 goes, He who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. I believe Solomon was pointing out, if you dig a ditch for another man, good chances you're going to fall in your own pit. It is usually your own pit that you fall into. Chickens have a way of coming home to roost. I want to share a little story with you. Because uh, I believe he was talking about sin when he talked about a serpent biting a man. An Indian was walking up a mountain, and when he heard a voice, Carry me with you, it requested. The Indian turned and saw a snake. He refused. If I carry you up the mountain, you will bite me. I wouldn't do that, the snake assured. All I need is some help. I am slow and you are fast. Please be kind and carry me to the top of the mountain. It was against his better judgment, but he, the Indian agreed and picked up the snake and put him in his shirt, resumed his journey. And when he reached the top, he reached in his shirt to remove the snake and got bit. He fell to the ground and the snake slithered away. You lied, the Indian cried. You said you wouldn't bite me. The snake stopped, looked back. I didn't lie. You knew who you were. You knew who you were picking up. Knew who I was when you picked me up. We hear the legend of the snake, and we think, "What a foolish thing to do." But really, that's what we do in the world. When we pick up sin, we've done it over and over again. We picked up the snake. Verse 9 goes, He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits wood may be endangered by it. If an axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. It is a foolish thing to rush headlong into a task without making adequate precisions. How often we have plunged wholeheartedly into service for Christ without first sharpening our axes in his presence. In Isaiah it says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings of eagles. 
They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Verse 11 goes, A serpent shall bite when it is not charmed. A babbler is no different. What good is the charmer if the serpent bites before the charm begins? Taming the tongue, it sounds so easy to do, but no man can do it. And a pastor asked his congregation one time, and he said, how many of you could go 24 hours without tearing somebody down or saying something negative about another person? And out of the whole congregation, only a few raised their hands. Others chuckled. But the majority of the congregation said, no way. And the pastor said, you know, a person that can't go 24 hours without a drink is an alcoholic. A person that can't go 24 hours without a cigarette is addicted to nicotine. And if you can't go 24 hours without tearing down another person or saying something negative, you have an incredible problem with your tongue. And it was really convicting when I read that. Because how often we sit and negativity comes out of our mouth. We're tearing down people that, that, that we love. Turn with me to James chapter 3 we were talking about James last night weren't we <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and read from, uh, from verse 1 my brethren let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive stricter judgment For we all stumble in many things. If any does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very little rudder. Wherever the pilot desires, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we will bless God and Father, and with it we curse men. We have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Each of us 
has a tongue and a voice. These instruments of speech can be used destructively or employed constructively. I can use my tongue to slander, gossip, to gripe, to scold, to nag, and to quarrel. Or I can bring it under control over God's spirit. And I can make it an instrument of blessing and praise. Only God can control a man's tongue. As we yield to him. As we become meek, tamed, and fit for the master's service. God will bless us. Goes on in verse 12 to say, The word of a wise man's mouth are gracious, but the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. The words of his mouth begin with foolishness, and the end of his talk is raving madness. The comparison between the wise and the fool is powerful. When we speak in God's grace and wisdom, the effect is positive. Even when we speak words of advice or correction, but as fools lead only to destruction. In Proverbs 10 it says, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. In Proverbs 25, the words of Fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. It is the ability of a fool to choose his words carefully. The inability of a fool to choose his words carefully to bring about his own destruction and hurt. And I've seen it in friends. I love how whether in personal conversation or public ministry, Jesus always knew exactly what to say at the right time. And it says in Isaiah 50, speaking of Jesus, it says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning and wakens my ear to hear as the learned. But friends, a fool... What begins as foolishness ends in raving madness. We tend to be our own hurt. Verse 14 goes, A fool also multiplies words. No man knows what it, what, what it is to be. Who can tell him what will be after him? A fool mistakes Quantity, quality with quantity. Jesus said about the prayers of the unbelievers, but when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they have heard, they will be heard by their many words. A fool cannot speak wisely because he has no wisdom. And he cannot speak truthfully because he does not know the truth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, a man speaks. Verse 15 goes, The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go to the city. 
I love the humor here. The fool boasts about the future plans and wearies people with his talk, but he cannot find the way out of the city. In biblical times, the roads in the cities were well marked, so they, any traveler could see well what city he was heading in. And I believe Solomon was saying, a fool is so busy talking about the future that he loses his way in the present. In verse 16, there is a shift in how now Solomon returns to folly in the natural life to a natural nation under a foolish ruler. Verse 16 goes, Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and when your princes feast in the morning. Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles, and your princes feast at the proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Immaturity in a leader is a recipe for disaster. There's nothing worse than working for a company that you love and working for a boss that doesn't know what he's doing or he's unequipped to do the job that he's called to do. But fortunate is the one in which a leader is a man of character. There's nothing like working for someone who's got it all together. Loves his job, shows by example, and is a true leader. The Bible speaks of spiritual immaturity. Turn with me to Hebrews 5. Starting at verse 11 goes, Of whom we have much to say and hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We need to be mature in faith. And I'm troubled by so many that come to be fed. And it's a good thing to come and get fed. But there comes a time in your Christian walk where you need to feed yourself. You need to get in and hear God speak to you. And so often people bring their Bibles to church. They get fed and they go home and they set their Bible on a table and there it sits all week. And it comes a time when we need to feed on the meat of the word. We need to get nourishment from God. And we need to slow down and hear God speak. 
so that we can discern good and evil. And if all you come is to get what what the pastor has ate on all week, all you're getting is spiritual milk. And you're coming to get fed from someone else that has poured their heart into God's word. And it's healthy and it's good. It's good to come to Bible, Bible meetings, but it's so important that you and I become men and women of God's word. That we fall in love with God's word because God wants to speak to us individually. We need to become mature in faith. We need to partake of solid food. Only belongs to those who are mature in faith. Verse 18 goes. Because of laziness, the buildings decay, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Solomon is still talking about immature leaders, and here he, because of laziness, the house is in shambles and decay. Immature people enjoy the privileges and and honor, but ignore the responsibilities, while mature people see the responsibilities and privileges and use them to help others. Woodrow Wilson wrote, A friend of mine says that every man who takes office in Washington either grows or swells. When I give give a man an, an office, I watch him carefully to see whether he is swelling or growing. In this case, Solomon observed the laziness of people that causes decay. And because of idleness of hands, nothing gets fixed. I have been cleaning up this property of mine for about four months now. (laughs) And I'm still fixing and finding new trash that goes to the dump. I'm still fixing things that are broken. What a mess. Because of someone else's laziness and idle of hands. In Proverbs 23, this is what Solomon wrote. I went by the field of a lazy man, and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding. And there it was, all overgrown with thorns. Its surface was covered with nettles. Its stone walls were broken down, and when I saw it, I considered it well. I looked on it, and I received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, so shall your poverty be. You know, when God gives us gifts, and everything that we have is a gift from God, every blessing, and if he gives you the privilege to own a home, or even if it's a place to rent, it's a gift. And we need to be good stewards of everything that God gives us. Or God takes it away from us. And, And I have seen it. Verse 19 goes, A feast is made for laughter, and wine made merry, but money answers everything. Oh boy. (laughs) 
To the masses, money is everything. It's everybody's dream. To a great majority of people, money is God. They chase after it. Becomes their everything, their all in all. People will sell their souls for wealth and riches. It is the answer to every problem. Or so they, it seems. To a generation, it is eat all you can, enjoy all you can, and get all you can, no matter what the cost. In recent years, various developing nations have seen how easy it is for unscrupulous leaders to steal government funds in order to build their own kingdoms. Unfortunately, it has also happened to religious organizations at what cost and I have seen pastors fall because pretty soon that's all it became about is the money and what is mine and I built this we need to pray for them for the love of money is a root of all evil Verse 20 goes, Do not curse the king, even in your thoughts. Do not curse the rich, even in your bedroom. For a bird in the air may carry your voice, and a bird in flight may tell the matter. You wouldn't believe what a little birdie told me. See, this is where this, uh, this saying come from. Oh, I heard a little birdie talking to me. This saying has appeared in many forms and in different cultures. And Solomon uses it to warn us. Watch what you say. People are listening and you will be overheard. Because you never know when you're in a group and you think, these are all my friends. But the little bird will carry that voice. Don't curse those who are over you. And if you are a servant of the king, you are a servant of all. And I have to remind myself this all the time. If you're a servant of Jesus, you're a servant of all. And there's nothing below what you can do in the kingdom. He says, even in your thoughts... It is very difficult to harbor a thought continually without it eventually finding its way out of your heart and out of your mouth. You think about that long enough, it's going to come out. It is important that we harbor pure thoughts. You know, I was thinking, what did we learn from tonight? That dead flies ruin perfume and a little folly can ruin a man's reputation. That you can always pick up a clown by his red nose and baggy pants. And it's so easy to pick up on a fool by his deeds and his words. And that taming the tongue is a hard thing to do, but God, all things are possible. 
A fool will always prove himself a fool, and you can't hide dumb. <laughs> we try, don't we? What do we want from life? God wants to give you your heart's desires. And he has proven that over and over again. But listen, gang. He must come first. And we think, I'm going to give God a little bit. But he's going to owe me. He wants all of you. And you can't have one foot in the world and one foot on the rock and expect God to bless you. If you think that wealth and riches will make you happy, you're going to be disappointed in this life. Only God can fill that empty hole in each one of our hearts. And you can chase the world and you will be dissatisfied. If your desire is power and position, you're going to be chasing rainbows. And you won't find it, and it will leave you unsatisfied. If we would only chase after him and seek him with all our heart, he will daily reveal himself to you, and out of the, your heart will flow rivers of living water. For each one of us, for our families, for our marriages, at our jobs. You want happiness? God wants to give it to you. You want joy? God-given joy? He wants to give it to you. Work hard. Enjoy what God has given you. This life in Christ is an adventure. It's a great adventure in Christ. Wisdom is greater than power. More precious than fine gold. And God wants to give it to you if you just ask. Let's all stand and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you always hear our prayers. You collect each tear in a bottle. And you give us the desires of our heart, Lord. You have pierced our world and you have become flesh that we may have life in your name. You saw us as we are and you reached in and pulled us out, Lord Jesus. Lord, we thank you for that new life in you. You saw us where we were and you didn't leave us there. Lord, you, you changed us. Lord, and uh, as much as you've changed us, Lord, you're not through with us yet. You're going to finish that work in each of our hearts. You're going to ch- finish that work in each of our lives. You offered eternal life and we are forever thankful. We look at your plan for us and all we see is love and all we know is grace. It is your love, Lord, that draws us to repentance. It's that love that draws us to you once again. And we thank you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.
save her You who gave life Pain just how much you mean to me then That you save me, Lord Give all that I am to you Every day I can be a light that shines your name Every day, Lord, I learn to stand upon your word And I pray that I, that I come to know you more You will guide me in every single step that Every day I can be a light unto the world Every day you I live for Every day follow after you Every day with you, my Lord. Every day, Lord, I learn to stand upon your word, and I pray that I, that I come to know you more. You will guide me in every single step there. Every day, I can be a light unto the world. Every day you I live for Every day follow after you Every day walk with you, my Lord Every day you I live for Every day follow after you Every day walk with you my Lord you I live for every day you I live for every day you I live for every day my Lord you I live for every day you I live for every day And you I live for every day My Lord Every day You I live for Every day Follow after you Every day I walk with you My Lord Every day, every day, follow after you. Every day, walk with you, my Lord. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, you... Uh, you set our feet upon the rock, Lord. Lord, and uh, no other foundation can we build but our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, uh, you are the one we live for every day. 
In Jesus' precious holy name, amen.